we started a series last Wednesday night on divine healing. And we talked last week about how God, our Heavenly Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, our great Redeemer, the mighty Holy Spirit, that they are the same yesterday and today and forever. And I'm telling you tonight, you have a healer. The Word of God, God's Word to His children is that He is our healer. Healing is provided for you tonight. We're going to talk, that's what we talked about last week, about how God is the same. Tonight, I want to go all the way back to the beginning and still lay a foundation. We're going to talk about, you know, the origin of sickness and disease. We can see very clearly that when Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, that sin entered this earth realm and spiritual death came into this earth realm as a result of sin. And now we see that sickness and disease shows up in the earth. All sickness, all disease has a satanic origin. And so we're going to look at that tonight. So if you have your Bibles, let's just talk about some things. Hallelujah. We're going to open them up. We'll start off in Romans chapter 5 in verse 12. But I want to start tonight's message by talking to you about the fact that Satan, he is the author of all sickness, of all disease, and all infirmity, all weakness. He's the author of it. It's not from God. It's not God allowing it in your life. It's an attack of the enemy. As long as you think sickness, disease, and infirmity is from heaven, is from God, or in some way God's will for your life, what will happen to you, and, and this is a wrong biblical thought, but what will happen if you think these things that are outside the realm of the Word of God, you will begin to entertain sickness and disease. You'll begin to receive it. You'll begin to own it. And we want to stay away from that. Sickness, disease, infirmity, this is not a blessing of heaven. It is never from God. It is never from heaven. There is no sickness. There is no disease. And there is no infirmity in heaven. Isn't that good news? And the Bible talks about how that the kingdom of God has come to this earth. And that God's will in heaven is what his will is for this earth. So child of God, tonight, no matter what your situation is, if you're fighting symptoms in your body, they are an attack from the enemy and you have a great physician who has provided healing for your body, health for your physical well-being, strength for you tonight. you got to know that. In Romans chapter 5, 
it says, Wherefore, as by one man's sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. If you jump down to Romans chapter 6, in verse 23, it says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then if you jump over to Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 10 in verse 38, hallelujah, the word of God calls sickness and disease satanic oppression. So Acts chapter 10 in verse 38 says this, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. In the Greek it would read even with power. And that's the Greek word dunamis. That is miraculous power that has been released. Who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him, healing all. It's the Greek word aeomai. It literally means to doctor, to cure progressively. That's what Jesus did. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He always has been, and he always will be your healer. Sickness and disease, according to this passage of Scripture, is called the works of the devil. It's called satanic oppression. And when we realize this, that all sickness, all disease, all infirmity is satanic oppression, it's the work of Satan himself. When we realize this, we're going to treat sickness and disease in the same way that we would treat sin or the devil. We would give no place to it. We no longer are to yield to sickness and disease in the same way we're no longer to yield to sin. We're no longer to yield in any way to Satan. We've been given authority over him. He is under our feet. Hallelujah. So now let's jump over to Hebrews chapter 2 in verse 1, and I want to talk about a principle. As we get into the Word of God tonight, Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 reveals a very strong principle from the Word of God. Oh, I pray tonight that wherever you are, that it would become the sanctuary here at Faith Family Church, that the same presence of God and the same anointing that is here would be with you. Oh, get hungry, child of God. God has good things for you. It says in Hebrews chapter 2, in verse 1, it says, Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Hmm. Big statement. We can receive teaching that causes us to become very aware 
to certain parts of the Word of God. However, if we ever stop paying attention to these things, if we ever stop giving earnest heed to them, they can slip from us. And we never can let them slip. It's interesting if you look at the ministry of Jesus as he was on the earth, Jesus consistently returned to the subject of healing because this area, it can slip away from us so easily. And child of God, I'm here to tell you, God wants you healthy. God wants you sickness, disease, infirmity free. He wants you strong and whole physically so that you can walk out his plan for your life. Now, we don't want to let these things slip. That's why we give them the more earnest heed. Now, in Hosea chapter 4, in verse 6, it brings out another truth along these lines. And this is so very important. This is what the Holy Spirit will do in your life. He will bring these things to remembrance so that you meditate in the Word of God day and night, so that the Word will be in abundance in your heart, which means it will always be coming out of your mouth. In Hosea 4.6, at the beginning of the verse, it says this, My people are destroyed for a lack of or for lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. This word destroyed literally means that my people are silenced and cut off for a lack of knowledge. See, we have been given a wonderful covenant with our God. But if we reject the covenant promises, then we will not be able to lay hold of the benefits that our covenant offers. And remember, God entered covenant with us to benefit us. So we want to be able to position ourselves to always lay hold of these things. If we choose to believe God is using certain sicknesses or diseases or circumstances like that to teach us things or to perfect us, if we choose to believe that sickness or disease is just our cross to bear, then we're believing wrong and it's going to cut us off from laying hold of the benefits of what God has given us. The foundational truth of Hosea 4.6 is that a lack of knowledge destroys people by silencing them and cutting them off from taking advantage of the covenant that we have been given by God. Any time we have a lack of knowledge about a subject, we have a tendency to avoid talking about it. Our covenant with God, it is all about talking about it. 
It is all about our confession. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. The Bible says, life and death is in the power of our tongue. The Bible talks about that we use our tongue to mix faith with the gospel so that we could lay hold of these things. The Bible talks about that as we walk our race on this earth and walk out God's plan for our life, that we are to meditate, mutter over and over and over the word of God. We are to never let it depart from our eyes. We're to never let it depart from our mouth. It's so important. So remember, if you have a lack of knowledge in an area of the Word of God, what's going to happen is you're going to have a tendency to avoid talking about it, which is going to mean that you've now been silenced and cut off from laying hold of the benefits of it. Proclaiming the truth of God's Word is a big part of acting on our faith. It's so important as we walk by the faith of God, as we live by faith, we are to literally proclaim the truth of God's word. That's how predominantly we're going to act on our faith. Now Romans chapter 10 in verse 9 and 10 really bring out this truth that we're talking about. We don't want to be destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. We don't want to be silenced and cut off. Romans chapter 10, in verse 9, it says this, If you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, in other words, in the literal Greek it would read, If you shall confess with your mouth Jesus, you are my Lord, and shall believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That's how we get saved. You believe in your heart. See, God tells the end from the beginning. So he starts out with the end, the confession of your mouth. But then he goes back to the beginning if you believe in your heart what God's word said, that God raised Jesus from the dead, and then based on what you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth, Jesus, you are my Lord. The Bible says, as you believe in your heart and release your faith, you shall be saved. And now it explains why in verse 10. In verse 10 it tells us, for with the heart, man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Isn't that powerful? You could say it this way, because salvation is an all-inclusive term. You could say, with the heart, man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto healing. Confession is made unto prosperity. Confession is made unto wholeness, unto soundness, unto strength. 
all the different aspects unto safety, unto freedom from apprehension. It's our confession. For with the heart, man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Jump over to Mark chapter 11, talking about the uh, operation of faith. Mark chapter 11, in verse 23, talking about the saying part. We can never allow the enemy to bring a thought or a circumstance or an attack against our life in any way to silence us because we are to hold fast, Hebrews chapter 10, the confession of our faith without wavering because he is faithful that promised. Mark chapter 11, verse 23 says this, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say, here we go, say unto this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, the word of God says, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Wow. See, when you embrace a spiritual truth, we have a tendency, it, 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 it moves us to talk about it. Child of God, tonight, if you're not talking about how you're healed, how God's prospering you. If you're not talking the word of God, it, it means you're not walking in the knowledge of his word. If you're talking about your circumstances, if you're talking about what's happening to you instead of what's happening in you, know that, God, that the enemy is silencing you and rise up in the strength of God and speak the word of God over your life and over your family, over your finances and over your body, over your job and career. I believe this is an hour, guys. I mean, it's amazing what's going on in the world right now. We are seeing the fulfillment of all Bible prophecy for the end of this church age. We are about to see the King of Kings and Lord of Lords as he raptures us out of this earth and the church age ends. There will be a conflict. It's laid out in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 38, really lays it out. Every nation is in place. All these things are happening. Even this week, the bombings and the missiles and all the, all the fortification, they are planning an invasion of Israel. And I'm telling you, after we're out of here in the rapture, God is going to, he's going to protect Israel in that one-day war that is literally going to usher in the tribulation period, a seven-year period on this earth, where a world leader called the Antichrist will take world dominance. The last three and a half years of this seven-year period is called the Great Tribulation, and I'm telling you, thank God that we're not going to be here. But what that means is we are to accelerate. 
You need to be well, debt-free, increasing. And how we do that is literally embracing spiritual truth and talking about it. Talking the word all the time. Surround yourself. Get together with each other. Surround yourself with people that speak God's word out of their mouth. People that have made a decision. Jesus is my Lord. It is in him that I live and move and have my very being. And I'm not moved by anything in this world. I am moved by the word of God. And speak his word and see, see God move in your life. When we fill our words with faith-filled words, it causes the word of God to produce powerful results in our lives. When we reject knowledge of a spiritual truth, our rejection of that spiritual truth, it literally produces a spiritual silence. But when we accept it, it brings it to fruition in our life. But know this, child of God, when we reject that knowledge of a spiritual truth, that rejection, it produces silence. And this silence, it literally neutralizes us so that we cannot receive the blessings that the Word of God has promised us. The Bible clearly teaches that Satan is the author of all sickness and disease. So let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 1 in verse 31. And let's take a look at what the Word of God says here. It is laid out so very clear. Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. It says this, And God saw everything that He had made. And behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. We know from this, this Genesis account that God made us in His own image and is in His own likeness. It was not His will for man to ever get sick or to ever die. Now in Genesis chapter 2, in verse 16 and verse 17, Genesis 2 Verse 16 says this, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. Verse 17, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it, for in the day that you eat of this tree, you shall surely die. Now, in the actual Hebrew language, it would read, and dying, you shall die. We know Adam and Eve did not die that day physically, but they did die that day spiritually. And spiritual death ultimately brought physical death in their lives. God basically warned Adam that if he ate of this tree, 
he would die spiritually and this would cause him to die physically. Now we jump to Genesis chapter 3 in verse 1 and now we're going to see Satan. We're going to see the serpent come on the scene. It says, now the serpent, the word for serpent in the Hebrew is, is one who deals with the thoughts in the mind or one who puts thoughts in the mind. You could translate it either way. Now the serpent was more subtle. This Hebrew word means he was more cunning. He was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, the serpent said unto the woman, Yea, has God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now we need to realize this, guys, that Satan was not a snake. Satan is a fallen angel that tempted Eve by placing thoughts in her mind. In the same way, that's what he does with you and I. In the same way, that's what he did with Jesus in the wilderness when he was tempted of the devil. Satan is a fallen angel, and he tempted Eve by throwing thoughts in her mind. That is how he comes at you and I today. If Adam had been the husband and the man he should have been, and Eve had submitted herself to him as his wife, she could have gone to Adam and told him that she was beginning to desire the forbidden fruit. And maybe Adam could have helped her, but that's not what happened in this story. Oh, we are so like Adam and Eve. What do I mean by that? Thoughts come to our mind, and we choose not to resist them. If you're facing something tonight in your physical body, in your life, those circumstances, that pain in your body, what, how you feel will speak to you. And the enemy will throw thoughts in your mind and he's trying to get you to entertain them and you must resist them with the word of God. This is how everything fell apart and this is still how things fall apart in this world. Natural laws that destroy came into being when Adam fell. Unless you know the word, this is very hard to understand. There is a curse that is upon the earth. Because of a lack of understanding, man will blame and accuse God of accidents. He will accuse God when people die prematurely. We'll say things like, well, God took him. But you know, God takes no one. God receives his children as they pass from this earth, but he doesn't take them. Oh yeah, we have an appointment with death, but, but we are not appointed a certain time to die the Bible's very clear that there are things that we can do to lengthen our days on this earth or to shorten them. So this is why we have to have great understanding here. Sickness and disease, man will blame or accuse God 
of allowing it, when in reality, God's given us a free will, part of sovereignty of God, the way God set this up, because he will not violate man's will, is God must allow what you allow. God is the God that would have all men to be saved and all men come to the knowledge of the truth. But there are many of his children that are not coming to the knowledge of the truth because they're not putting his word first. They're choosing not to. And God has to allow that ignorance to be in them because they are choosing it. So we want to make sure we understand these things. Earthquakes, tornadoes, all of these things going on in the earth, these came into being. These natural laws that destroy came into being as a result of the fall of Adam and Eve. Now, Jesus took authority over these natural laws when needed to bring the blessings to man that his father wanted. See, if these storms were from God, then God's kingdom would be divided against itself. And the Bible says in Matthew 12, in verse 25 and 26, if you're taking notes, write this down. Matthew 12, verse 25 and 26. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. So we have to realize if it's good, if, it's, if it brings life, it's from God. If it's destructive, it's, if it steals, if it kills, if it destroys, it is not from God. If you ever read after uh, a great healing revival or a healing evangelist that was back around 1875, his name was John Alexander Dowie. And in his ministry, he crossed the ocean by ship 14 times and said every time he crossed the ocean, he would have to rebuke the sea and it would calm down. Isn't that interesting? God wasn't trying to come against that ship and sink it, but he had to use his authority in the name of Jesus, and God would back up that authority for him. You will see when Satan is eliminated from the earth, these detrimental natural laws that steal, kill, and destroy, they will stop operating. Romans chapter 8 in verse 22 and verse 23, brings out an incredible truth from God's word. Romans 8.22 tells us, For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. See, the whole earth is groaning and travailing 
to be released from the curse in the same way our spirits, they, they're groaning to be released or, or be given the redemption of our bodies where we are then given glorified bodies that are not subject to pain, sickness, and disease. That is your future, child of God. But until you get that glorified body, God has made provision for you. He sent his word and healed you. Now turn over to Romans, or not Romans, Revelation chapter 21. We're going to look at a couple scriptures at the end of the book of Revelation that talk about the world that is to come. And I'm telling you, this is our future. And this is not very far from now. The world to come. Revelation 21.1 And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them. <coughs> Excuse me. And be their people, and God himself shall be with them, and be their God. Look at verse 4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Revelation 22.1 says this, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. Verse 2, In the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. Isn't that amazing? Verse 4, And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light. And they, talking about you and I, shall reign forever and ever. Child of God, isn't that good news? You and I are going to see him face to face. We are his children. He wants to take care of you. He is your inaccessible place of refuge. He is your healer tonight. Receive his strength tonight. Receive his comfort. He is the mender of the broken heart. Receive his wholeness tonight in your body, in your mind, 
Hallelujah. God wants you whole to walk in the wholeness, spirit, soul, and body. Because you, child of God, are his. Hallelujah. God is so good. So let's jump back to the ministry of Jesus. Let's go and jump over to Luke chapter 13. We're going to look at verse 10. We're going to read through verse 13. Luke chapter 13, verse 10. It says this, And he, talking about Jesus, was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Verse 11. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together. You know, we just in a previous service talked about this story. And in no wise, or and could in no wise lift herself up. And when Jesus called, or when Jesus saw her, she he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed of your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. We learn from this story that a demonic spirit of infirmity had bound her. But Jesus healed her, setting her free from this infirmity. Notice that the woman did not glorify God until she was healed. Know this, child of God, as you walk in healing, as you minister to the sick, lay hands on the sick and see God heal them and recover, God gets glory. And I'm telling you, God gets no glory out of sickness and disease. But we see over and over in the Word of God that great glory was given to God as people rejoiced in their healing and as they saw people get healed. Church, I believe that we're in a season of growth. I refuse to even entertain thoughts that this year in 2020, we are going to move backwards. This will be a year of great increase at Faith Family Church and a great year of increase in your life in every arena. Do not let your current circumstances move you because we already have been given the victory in Christ. Jesus won the battle. The victory is already ours. Hallelujah. Now in Luke, in this story, if you start to read now in verse 14, it says, And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work. In them therefore come and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrite. Wow. Religion always tries to control and restrict the move of God. Religion always labors to keep men bound. There's a great parable uh, 
that Jesus told about this very fact. And it, it literally outlines, it's a great parable that illustrates what Jesus did for us when he died for us on the cross. And it's found in Luke chapter 10. And I want to go and read that to you. Luke chapter 10, we will begin in verse 30. Luke chapter 10 in verse 30 says this. And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when the priest saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. <clears throat> Verse 33. But a certain Samaritan... Now in this parable, this Samaritan represents Jesus. And a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring oil, which is a type of salvation, and wine, which is a type of the Holy Spirit, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn. I love that. That inn represents the church. Hallelujah. Brought him to the inn. Brought him to the church. And took care of him. Verse 35. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence. Two pence represents two days' wages which represents 2,000 years of the church age. Child of God, Jesus came out of the tomb in about A.D. 30 in April, 1,990 years ago. We are at the end of this second day. A day with the Lord is as a 1,000 years, and a 1,000 years is as a day. We are at the end of the church age. It says here, And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said to him, in other words, he said to the church, Take care of him, and whatsoever you spend more when I come again, I will repay thee. In other words, in the Greek language, it, it literally would read, I will pay for it all. Child of God, Jesus paid the whole price. He paid it all. He bore your sickness and he carried your pain. He was made poor so that you could be made rich. He was made sick so that you would be made healed and whole. He became sin so that you would be made the very righteousness of God in Christ. Jesus paid it all. He bore your sickness so you don't have to. If you're facing a virus, 
If you're facing some debilitating disease, some incurable disease, Jesus already bore it. Healing is yours. And all you got to do is simply believe with your heart and take hold of it with your mouth. Confession is made unto healing. Hallelujah. Verse 36. It says here, Which now of these three thinks you was neighbor unto him that fell among thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. And then Jesus said unto him, Go and do likewise. Hallelujah. Child of God, as we're coming towards the end of this message, realize this. God never tempts us with evil. God does not cause sickness. He does not cause chronic illness, chronic fatigue, depression, cancer. He doesn't cause heart disease, arthritis, or diabetes. He does not ever cause inflammation, infection, anything. James chapter 1 in verse 13, James, the pastor of the church in Jerusalem, said this by the inspiration, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He penned these words, let no man say, in other words, in the literal Greek, it would say, stop saying this. Don't ever say this. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. This word tempted is the Greek word apo. It means tempted. It means done in a roundabout or behind the scenes way. God doesn't tempt you in a roundabout or behind the scenes way. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempts he any man. Temptation, as we read and study the word of God, it tells us even here, temptation comes from being baited and enticed by Satan. James chapter 1 and verse 14, it goes on to say, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. <clears throat> this word enticed means to be baited. Verse 15, then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And when sin or, and sin, when it is finished, it brings forth death. If you jump down to verse 17, it gives us an incredible truth. The Word of God tells us every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. No matter which way you look at God, there is only light. He never is working in the shadows. Only good gifts come down. Sickness is not good. 
John 10.10 even tells us, the thief, Jesus said, comes, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. It's written that way. It doesn't say steal, kill, and destroy. It says, but for to steal. He, he comes to steal what? We learn from the parable of the, of the sower in Mark chapter 4. He comes to steal the word of God from the child of God. Why? Because then the child of God is silenced so that now he could come in and kill and destroy. But God says, Jesus said, I am come that they might have life, that's zoe, the zoe, eternal life of God, and that they might have it more abundantly. God doesn't bring sickness. Sickness is a thief. This coronavirus is a thief. Cancer, diabetes, arthritis, all of these things, they're thieves. Heart disease, it's a thief. Sickness steals health. It steals happiness. It steals money that's needed for other things. And you need to know, child of God, that He has provided healing for you. He desires for you to walk in health every day of your life. Let me say that again, child of God. God's desire for you is that you walk in health and strength and wholeness every day of your life. Hallelujah. The destructive life in all disease is the destroyer, Satan. Jesus called this the spirit of infirmity. And when we use our authority in the name of Jesus and command the spirit of infirmity to leave, the disease will die and the effects of the disease will disappear. Hallelujah. So an example of this is cancer has life in it. This coronavirus has life in it. But this life, this destructive life, is from Satan. The source of the destructive life in this virus or in any sickness or disease, it is actually Satan. And when the source is taken care of, the cancer, the coronavirus will die and the effects will clear. So in Jesus' name, lungs clear, virus be eradicated from bodies. Joints be made whole in Jesus' name. I speak life in the name of Jesus over your physical body. I declare that you have been redeemed from the curse of sickness and disease. And that by the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Know this child of God. God wants you well. I love 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. In 1 John 3, 8, it says this, He that commits sin is of the devil. For the devil sinned from the beginning. But for this purpose, 
the Son of God, was brought out of the shadows and brought and manifested before us. Why? That he might destroy the works of the devil. I declare in Jesus' name that the works of Satan are destroyed in your life. Hallelujah. That light, that destructive life of any sickness and disease in your body, we stop it, we kill it in Jesus' name. And Father, we thank you that all the effects will leave, all the symptoms will leave. Health and healing shall be a result in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 4.4, literally, Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, called Satan the god of this world system. Jesus, in Luke chapter 4, verse 6, he even said this about, this is written for us to understand. It says, and the devil said to Jesus, all this power, all this authority will I give you in the glory of them, for it's delivered unto me, and whosoever I will, I give it. See, Adam delivered all of the authority that he had in this earth to Satan when he fell. Adam had a legal right to give Satan the authority. He didn't have a moral right to turn it over, but he had a legal right. But child of God, Jesus got it all back. Hallelujah. Always know this, and I'll close with this this evening. Jesus' attitude toward sickness was an uncompromising warfare with Satan. He looked at it that way very clearly. He healed all who were sick. No one who ever came to him in faith did not get healed. And you see this all through Scripture, but you see it very strongly in the ministry of Jesus. Jesus' attitude towards sickness and sin were identical. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It says in Matthew 9.35, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Matthew chapter 12, in verse 15, it says this, Matthew 12, 15, But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from there, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 4, in verse 40, Luke 4.40, Now when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with diverse diseases brought them unto him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. None were left out. He healed them all. Psalm 103.3, He is the God who forgives all of your iniquities and who heals all all of your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction. All through the Psalms, 
you'll find that God was Israel's healer. Sickness and disease was a result of the disobedience to the law. Forgiveness for the disobedience meant healing for their bodies. Child of God, for us as His children, you have been redeemed by the, from the curse of sickness and disease because Jesus was made a curse for you. You are the healed tonight. Don't be moved by how you feel. Don't be moved by your temperature. Don't be moved by what you, what you see in your body. Be moved by the truth of God's Word, which is forever settled in heaven. Say this with me tonight. I am the healed. Jesus is my healer. Jesus is my great physician. And tonight I praise you, Jesus. And I receive healing and wholeness in my body. Hallelujah. Child of God, it's been so awesome to be with you this evening. My heart burns for us to come together Sunday. We're going to have a couple awesome services. It's going to be so good to see you guys. Oh, God's got great plans for our church. He has great plans for your life. So get ready, for God is good all the time because His mercy, it endures forever.